Broadcasting live and worldwide. Here's Brody Brazil. All right, I've come up with this list of five things specifically to watch for in the 2021 NHL season for the Sharks. And let me begin with what's most obvious and what is most connected to everything else in their success, and that is team defense. Last year, it was an interesting tale. I mean, obviously, they were one of the worst teams in the Western Conference, but they were one of the best penalty-killing teams in the entire league. So four on five, right? They're so good defensively. But their five-on-five defense somehow was among the worst in all of the 31 NHL teams. And also, there's a whole conversation about goalies and struggling and the connection. Is it the the defense of the team or is it the goalie himself? I'm just here to say, if you can clean up team defense, if you can go from being 30th or 31st in the league to somewhere around the midway point, I mean, optimally, you'd like to be in the top half. But if you're 14th, 15th, 16th in the league in defense for the Sharks this upcoming year. You've already made tremendous strides, and you're going to help yourself out win a lot of games. I'm not even going to bring up the whole two or fewer thing. When you allow two or fewer goals to the opponent, what's the Sharks' record? Look, it's just pretty good. We'll say that. Um, But even allowing three on a nightly basis, it just puts you in a lot more games than what we saw last year. And what we saw last year, way too many odd man chances, way too many net front chances, And just defensive mistakes and breakdowns that were so costly. It seems like every time the Sharks had a mistake, it was instantly paid for on the other end of the ice. So I'm talking about team defense here first because I think that has so many facets to it. And I'm watching that to see how much that has improved. And don't get me wrong. I do want to see who scores the most goals, who gets off to a hot start, how the power play looks. But defense more than offense, I realize... It's not going to be the um, the sexiest conversation to talk about how well they're playing defensively, but I really do think that's going to translate into the, the quickest results. All right, thing number two here, it actually is scoring, but not so much overall scoring, like where it's coming from, either the power play or five on five. I, I'm more concerned with where it's coming from in the lineup. And when I say depth scoring, you know, first off, you, you have to hold the top six forwards, I think, accountable, the Couture line, the Hurdle line. I, I guess you expect it from the Evander Keynes and the Timo Myers and your two centermen and Kevin LeBanc. But, I mean, you're really going to need that third line. And if it is a very speedy line with a Donato and a Nieto and uh, uh, maybe a Gregor on that line, like you're, you're going to expect energy, but you're also going to have to expect some scoring production from that line. How about a fourth line maybe that features a Dylan Gambrell and a Patrick Marlowe? Like they're going to have to contribute something too. So scoring needs to come from a multitude of places. We've just seen it too many times actually over the years with the Sharks that they're they're top heavy in their scoring. And when those six forwards ultimately run a little bit dry, the rest of the team isn't able to, you know, compensate and pick up that load. I would also say this, and I mean, you know, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson highly known for their puck moving ability, their offensive prowess. But I think, you know, and I, and I do predict a high assist season for Carlson. Um, I I think Burns, we, we certainly know what he's capable of with the puck. It would be great to see those guys actually get a few more goals themselves. Now I'm not, look, this is not putting the pressure on them. I'm just saying that so long as they're involved with the offense, I'm very happy. But when we talk about depth scoring, let's not just make it about, you know, the top, uh, sorry, the 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 
third and fourth line. Let's not make it about the top six. Um, let's make it about the the third and fourth line of forwards and also some of the defensemen. And I should actually backtrack too. Point number one, when I was just talking about team defense a second ago, I am not at all saying that this is all the defensemen, right? So let's clarify that. Um, the, the defensive play of the forwards last year was challenging as their blue liners itself. So it's an overall team effort on both regards. I think those are specifically the things I'll be looking for as it relates to uh, improvements. All right, third thing I'll be looking at here in 2021 is the beginning of this year and the road effect that it's going to have for San Jose. At this point, as I tape this, I don't know where that February 1st game is going to be. At SAP Center, somewhere else, I know there's a few options, and um, I would say it like this. The game doesn't matter if it's at the tank or elsewhere because it it doesn't matter. There's no fans. There's not going to be fans there. Um, it's not the home ice advantage. It's the fact that these players can go home, right? That they could see their family for the first time in now more than a month if they're actually able to play at home. Like I said, as I tape this right now, don't know the answer of how that's going to shake out. But I am telling you why it's important. It's less about where they're actually playing the game. It's way more important about where they're spending all their off hours. And if they can actually be in the home environment with families, their own beds, their own meals, Um, It's not to say that the road is completely bad, right? Like I can say and see a lot of bonding with these guys, even with the spacing that they're required to have. And it makes sense. Um, They're just around each other. They're on a business trip right now. And so long as they're not playing in San Jose, that business trip will continue. There are some benefits of that. But I also can tell you from a family perspective, there's a lot of drawbacks too. And it's going to get fatiguing however long this lasts, right? It's going to be a little bit more fatiguing than any other team has to deal with. And coincidentally, like I said, this is how they go out of the gate. Their first eight games all on the road, uh, for sure. Like, that's a significant chunk of of a 56-game season, right? And watching the baseball season like I just did, I know how important the the beginning portions are and jumping out of the gate is. All right, uh, next point to make here, this is number four of five. What's going to happen when the Sharks face their first point of adversity. Look, I'm I'm past the whole conversation of last year there was um, you know, some ruffled feathers in the room and and guys weren't seeing eye to eye anymore and it was more individuals and team. I'm past that. I'm I'm way past that. It's been documented, it's been quite frankly discussed openly and and to, you know, a lot of admission. They <laughs> they realize where they went wrong and they think they're back on the right track now. So what I want to see is when stuff does go bad, and it's inevitably, look, every team's going to have a rough patch. I don't know if that means losing two in a row, four in a row. Gosh, I hope, you know, not more than that in this shortened season. That's digging quite a big hole. But um, maybe you lose a game in the last seconds that you should have won. How does this team respond? I want to see their first response from adversity because I do feel like that's going to tell you a lot about what they're made of, where they're truly at. And I'm not saying this like I, I challenge them to be in that position. No, I mean, I'm just saying it's going to happen. Happens to everybody. I'm interested to see how they respond to that first piece of adversity of the season. I really think that's going to be telling and, and we'll learn a lot more about them. And then last thing here, point five of number five. Uh, and I think this applies to every NHL team, but it's how will they roll with the punches? Now, this past summer, I covered the Oakland A's. They played... 60 games in 66 days, and there were, what, five doubleheaders by the end of the year? They had one positive COVID test 
about midway through their season. It, it forced them to shut everything down. Fortunately, now this is very fortunate for them, that one positive case, it did not spread to anybody else. But imagine if it did. Now you're probably shut down more like a week or more, right? Until more testing is done. You have to move around these games. And that's the thing about baseball season. They could play double headers to make up their games. And I'm not even saying that the Sharks might endure this. What if it's one of their opponents who can't play them, you know, four times within a two-week span? Then you have to go reschedule as the team that's, you know, fortunately unaffected by, by health, but you still have to go reschedule these games against that team. It's a domino effect around the league. I certainly wish everybody the best in health. I think it's uh, beyond admirable that people are, are sacrificing themselves and their families in a lot of ways to, to keep the sport going. I hope that doesn't go under-discussed or underrated. I won't let it during this season. Uh, but my point is, is that being flexible, like, you know, there's a five and a six-day break, I think, in this schedule. What if the Sharks, because of whatever reason, or the whole league has to shut down for a while and then restart back up again. And, you know, you were in perfect hockey shape. Now you're not. Now you're expected to jump right back in it. Um, you see what the Dallas Stars are currently going through. I wish all of them the best, including Joe Pavelski. So, you know, we talk a lot about this season in normal terms because maybe it'll turn out that way. But quite honestly, likely it won't. And... I know it's not the the favorite topic to discuss the pandemic and COVID here as it relates to something, you know, people enjoy like watching Sharks hockey and, and watching the NHL, but this is going to factor in the season somehow, some way. And does it take priority uh, over how a team's doing? I mean, the pandemic is more, more important than who's playing well. Like, let's, let's get that very straight. But my point is here, it's going to, it's going to affect gameplay and teams at some point. I saw it happen in baseball. We've seen football teams play games without their quarterbacks. Uh, we've seen basketball teams dr dress eight guys in total, and some nights have to cancel games. They don't have enough guys. Is there going to be a game where a hockey team can't put either of their two goalies out there? Has to use the taxi squad goalie? Probably. I'm not saying the Sharks. Will somebody have to go through that? Maybe. Maybe it's likely. So expect the unexpected. That's definitely going to factor in. As much as people are not talking about that right now, I think they will be in the months ahead. So those are my five things to watch for the upcoming season. I will see you on television, and I hope you enjoy this.